0: and you are mighty and we worship you in this place tonight we're so thankful that you are our father that we are your children God we honor you in this place tonight we praise you Lord God we magnify you God we exalt you Lord God we look to you father God you are our help you are our strength you are our wisdom you are all that we need father We thank you, Lord. We lack for no good thing. Everything that we need is in you. And we are in you and you are in us. We are one. Hallelujah. We worship you in this place. We thank you, Father. You are so great. You are so mighty. You are so loving. And you are so kind. You're a good, good father. And you're a good, good father to us. Thank you, Lord. We worship you, God. Hallelujah. Thank you, Jesus. Lord, we thank you for your word tonight. Thank you, Lord, that we have ears to hear what you would have to say. Help me, Father, to speak what you would have spoken tonight. Thank you for your anointing in this place, for lives being changed, for yokes being destroyed, for burdens being removed in people's lives. Thank you, Lord, that the word brings light tonight, that we have understanding of your plans and your purposes for our lives. We thank you, Lord, that our steps are ordered of you. And we thank you, Lord, for the wisdom to walk in the way that we should. Thank you for your grace. Thank you, Lord. Help me to speak boldly as I ought to speak. To speak with love. To speak the truth. And to say what you would have said. We honor you in this place. In Jesus' mighty name. Amen. Amen. You can be seated. God is so, so good. That song has been on repeat all week. That one and, and Wait on You. Y'all got to learn that one. That's a phenomenal song as well. And um, it really um, just kept ministering to me because when God asked me to speak this message, I was like, okay. We're going to do it. And so I, he just that song just kept rolling up in my spirit, and it's called Graves to Gardens. And um, tonight, well, I'll, I'll just give you my illustration, and then I'll roll into the, the, the title is Going Through It. And um, how many of you drive? Raise your hand if you drive or if you've driven before. How many of you have ridden in a vehicle before? All right, that's mostly everybody in the room. So you all can relate to this illustration, traffic. How many of you have ever been stuck in traffic? Yeah, so even like you can get stuck in traffic even walking. Like if you're walking and you're in a big, big city, busy city, I've walked the streets of New York and you get stuck in traffic, like you're shoulder to shoulder and you're waiting to cross the street and one set gets to go and then you're like, you know, when is it gonna be my turn? I'm not a fan of traffic, and it's always such a test of my patience. Driving itself is just a test of my patience. I mean, you would think after all this time I would have it down and be perfectly patient, but I'm not. So um, I've even, you know, run into traffic. If you've ever flown before, how many of you have ever been in traffic in the air? Now that's the worst. We're waiting to land. We are fifth in line. Why are we waiting in the air to land? That doesn't even make sense. How do you have traffic in the air, you know? We're circling around for the 10th time, and we are fifth in line. So anyway, and you know when you're ready to land on a plane after you've been flying for a long time, you are just like, mm, I'm gonna need y'all to land this plane. Can we jump in front of number two in line, or you know whatever, just make it happen so um, to avoid traffic, what I do if even if I know where i 'm going i 'll put in the GPS to find out the quickest route to get there. Because I don't like to waste all my time driving. I'm not, you know, it, the type of person that just goes for drives for leisure, you know, whatever. Every so often, but most, for the most part, when I get in the car, I have a purpose. I have a destination. I just want to get there, and so I'm gonna, you know, get there as quick as I can. Well, as soon as I see a little inkling of traffic. If I'm on the highway, I don't like to drive the streets. I really like to drive the highway because I don't want to be stopped at lights and, you know, all that kind of stuff. So anyway, so I get on the highway, and as soon as I can see there's a little bit of traffic, I will exit the highway. And I'm going to just take another route. I'm going to figure it out. But how many of you know that sometimes when you do that, it doesn't help at all? You hop off, and I've done it, like especially on the 15, I hop off, and then I'm like, I'm gonna do this, I'm gonna zip around, and then I get in traffic on the street, which is even worse because you've got lights, and then you've got people crossing, and then, so then you try to go another route, and you do all this kind of stuff, and then by the time you figured it out or you're driving around, then you end up back on the highway, and then you're behind where you started. Frustrating. Annoying. And by the time that happens, me and Jesus have had some serious conversations. I don't understand what's going on. Why are all these people out here? What are they looking at? Come on, Fred, move your car. Why are we still here? I've even done that before and gotten flat tires. Well, I've pulled off and I'm like, I'm going to find another route. And I've gotten a flat tire and then it's turned into a whole other situation. And what I've realized, and you would think after all of that, I'm still learning. God's still working on me, just like he's still working on you is that if I would have just gone through that little bit of traffic, sat for just a little bit of uncomfortable time, I would have been to my destination 30 minutes, 20 minutes, whatever. Because nine times out of 10, a lot of the traffic is somebody else has been in an accident, everybody's driving slow to look. And once you get past that look spot, you can go back to 75, 80 miles an hour. But while you're on the street doing the detour, It takes you longer to get to your destination. So tonight I want to talk to you about going through some things. Suffering. Such a phenomenal topic. I was like, thank you, Jesus, for giving me this wonderful message. As a Christian, we are going to go through some things in life. And one of the reasons why this message is kind of like dear to me is that recently I've seen a lot of people walk away from church, walk away from God, walk away from their purpose, walk away from the plans of God for their lives because they've had to go through some things, because it's been uncomfortable, because they've had things come against them, because they've had trouble, because they've gone through trials, because they had to suffer a little bit. And so I want to encourage you tonight with these wonderful scriptures. Psalms 34, 19 in the New King James Version says, Many are the afflictions of the righteous, but the Lord delivers them out of them all. There's a promise there. In the Passion Translation, it says, even when bad things happen to the good and godly ones, the Lord will save them and not let them be defeated by what they face. John 16.33 in the New King James Version says, these things have I spoken to you that in me you may have peace. In the world, you will have tribulation, but be of good cheer. I have overcome the world. We should be mindful. We will face troubles. We will go through trials. We will have things come against us. We live in a broken world. We live in a fallen world. We live in an imperfect world. But we can be of good cheer. We're not in it alone. We've got the greater one on our side, and he's not going to let us fail. So instead of focusing on trouble, set your heart on your destination. Fasten your gaze and direct your attention to your goals and destiny, not the troubles and the obstacles that you will face that John 16:33 verse that was Jesus talking. He let us know, you're going to have some trouble. You're going to go through some things. And we're going to look to him as an example. God never promised us a trouble-free life, but he did promise to help us through every adversity and challenge. Proverbs 24:16 in the Passion translation. It says, for the lovers of God may suffer adversity and stumble seven times, but they will continue to rise over and over again. But the unrighteous are brought down by just one calamity and will never be able to rise again. I know a lot of you are probably thinking, you know, maybe you would prefer, it would be nice to have a perfect life. You want the perfect marriage. You want the perfect children. You want the perfect job. You want the perfect scenario, the perfect situation. You know, sometimes we even try to convince ourselves, if we do everything perfect, 100% of the time, we'll never have any troubles and we'll never have anything come against us. Anybody ever think like that? Yeah. I mean, especially if you're like me and you're a perfectionist, if I just line that up just perfectly straight, or if I just do this perfectly right, no kid is going to come in here and mess this up. (laughs) Right? If I write out this presentation perfectly and turn it in, this is when I was in college, if I write out this, thing, this paper perfectly and I turn it in and I even use Google for help, <laughs> I'm going to get that A. But then you find yourself with that professor that's against everything that you believe in and they want to attack you and they want to come against you for every single paper that you write. So what? That period wasn't right there. You didn't have to mark off 10 points for that. Show some love. No, we think if we do it 100% of the time, that will be good. But let me tell you this. Only one person lived a perfect life. Jesus. He lived a perfect, sinless life. And guess what? He didn't have a problem-free life either. He had challenges. Listen to this. This was him. First of all, he had to come to the earth. That right there? (laughs) That's a problem. (laughs) You're the king of kings, lord of lords. God, I need you to go down there and I need you to be down there. I got to get in a body, a little baby body. (laughs) So he came to earth and a king tried to kill him as a child. Jesus was reviled, hated, despised, and accused of being a blasphemer. On various occasions, people tried to kill him. His close friends argued frequently. One one of his associates eventually betrayed him and committed suicide. Eventually, Jesus was crucified. I think we might have a few troubles. I think we might have to go through a few things in this life. So, I mean, that kind of ruins your whole plan on trying to be 100% perfect and do everything perfectly right so that you can live a perfect life and have a problem-free life, right? That kind of ruins it for you. Um, Just There's usually kind of three there's kind of three basic areas or troubles or suffering um, usually are a result of these three basic things. Either one, you did something. Two, something was done to you. Or three, it was just a straight up attack of the enemy. So, you know, you kind of look at trouble and and suffering and different things, and it kind of falls in those three basic categories. Um, I'm not going to go into detail about that, but I just kind of want to give you an idea because maybe you're going through something, and it might help you to locate one of those three areas so you can know how to get through that situation. Like, did I do something wrong? Did somebody else do something, and now I'm I'm stuck in the middle of this because of something they did? Or is this just a straight-up attack of the enemy? Now, tonight, I, I just want to make um, sure that it's known that when I'm talking about um, going through troubles, when I'm talking about going through trials, when I'm talking about the fact that um, I, I don't like to use the word suffer, but that's what the Bible uses, you know, and I'll talk a little bit more about, you know, the details of that, but one thing I want to make clear Regardless of where the attack or trouble comes from, we need to remember that we have a God who promised he will always be with us, help us, empower us, and deliver us. And I also want to make it clear, I'm not talking about sickness and disease, okay? So when I'm talking about you know suffering and going through some things and and um, you know sticking with it and and going through the trial and going through the wilderness, and not, I'm not talking about um, sickness and disease. So Jesus, He bore our infirmities. When the Bible talks about suffering, it doesn't mean sickness. So we we shouldn't be suffering with sickness and disease. We need to take authority over that because Jesus took sickness and disease. So in all of his things that he came against, it was things like, you know, people coming against him, speaking against him, calling him a blasphemer, trying to kill him, um, you know, being in scenarios with difficult people. You know, those types of things are what I'm talking about when I'm talking about suffering. Jesus wasn't sick. He wasn't suffering sickness. God didn't put sickness on him so that he could suffer through it so that he can make him a better Christian or a better person. Okay? So I don't, that's a whole different sermon in itself, but I just wanted to make that clear. If you have sickness in your body, be healed in Jesus' name. God didn't put it on you. He didn't put it on you to teach you a lesson. Okay? All right. So I just want to make that clear So I don't want anybody leaving out of here and said I had a headache and Minister Ty said I needed to suffer for Jesus. <laughs> With that headache, no. All right, so what is the best way to go through troubles? I always like to have points. And there's so many more points I can give you, but I'm going to just give you three tonight because my three have about 20 pages. <laughs> Destiny saw my notes. So anyway, number one, When you're going through troubles and when you're going through trials, have faith in God. Have faith in God. It takes faith to go through trials. Faith that is based on the reality of God's word says, I may face problems, but God is greater than any problem and he will see me through. amen I want to read you this um, quote from, from, a, from a book when we're dealing with faith we need to confront the facts of our current reality so if you're going through something you need to confront the facts okay In his book, Good to Great, Jim Collins recounts a conversation he had with Admiral Jim Stockdale, decorated war veteran and the highest-ranking U.S. military officer to be imprisoned during the Vietnam War. Stockdale was a prisoner of war for eight years and was tortured more than 20 times. As the commanding officer in that setting, Stockdale helped as many men survive as he could. Collins wrote, What separates people, Stockdale taught me, is not the presence or absence of difficulty, but how they deal with the inevitable difficulties of life. In wrestling with life's challenges, the Stockdale paradox, which this is the paradox, you must retain faith that you will prevail in the end and you must also confront the brutal facts of your current reality." So in that paradox, it has proved powerful for coming back from difficulties, not weakened, but stronger. When we go through things in life, when we have difficulties and we have challenges, when you come out on the other side, you should be stronger. When you go through it with God, you should be stronger. So in that situation, that, that wasn't the best situation to be in, but he and his men, he helped them through that, and they came out stronger. In wrestling with life's challenges, you must hold fast to faith that you will prevail in the end, and you must also confront the brutal facts of your current reality. We must confront the facts of our situation while still maintaining our faith in God. God is very much a reality. His promises are very much a reality. Just like those scriptures say, you will go through it, but he won't let you drown. He will be there with you. I remember, um, wasn't that long, about 2015, wasn't sure if I was going to share this, but here we are. Um, 2015, I graduated college. I took the long route. (laughs) After 20 years, I finally graduated um, college. And that time should have been such a time of rejoicing. It should have been such an amazing time. But I mean, I got hit with depression. I got hit with all kinds of stuff, instead of that being such an amazing time, something broke in me. And it was like a flood of things that I had been through in my life all of a sudden just started hitting me. And I you know d- different challenges and different things that I had never you know resolved I just kind of pushed out of the way didn't really like go through different things didn't really go through them properly or whatever just kind of push it aside you know how when you're, you're hurting you just kind of push something aside you're like I'm not really gonna deal with that I'm just gonna try to work around it and I'm just gonna try to forget that that ever happened and I'm just gonna keep going so I had some things in my life that I just thought I was just gonna forget ever happened and I could just go on with life but it eventually caught up with me and it hit me like a Mac train. So I went through all kinds of things. And so um, one of the ways that I got help through it was I went through professional counseling. And I'll never forget when I was sitting in the counselor office and I, I went to this place and all these different counselors, they all said the same thing. And they kept saying, you know, when you were going through those things, you know, first of all, they said, we're amazed that you're not locked up somewhere. So I start telling my story, and I'm thinking, you know, this is normal. This is how you grow up, you know, this and this and that. You know, I started running down all these different things, you know. And so um, it was like a, a committee of people coming together, you know, talking about me, whatever. And they were like, um, she doesn't face reality. She's living in a fantasy world. Like, she should be locked up somewhere. Like, it, it doesn't make sense for her to be happy. Like, you know, I, I would... Tell stories, you know. I'm sitting in counseling and I would tell these tragic stories, and I'm like laughing as I'm telling these stories, you know, because that was one way that I just kind of dealt with it. You know, I just kind of laughed my way through it, and I'm like, you know, that was life. Didn't everybody else grow up like that? You know, didn't this happen to you? That's not normal. Okay. And so I remember them all saying, you know, and I was like, why did this happen? You know, whatever, da 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 da. And they were like, you weren't alone, God was with you when that was happening. And I was like, that is not comforting to me. It wasn't comforting to me because I didn't really understand what it meant. I kept thinking, now, are you telling me when I was being bullied as a child in school, God was with me? Well, why didn't he do something? That's what I was thinking. They're like, you know, it could have been a lot worse, but God was there with you, protecting you. No, he wasn't. They were beating me up. Where was he? You know? And so... You know, it took time for me to really get a revelation of that and to really understand that even though I went through some things, God was right there with me. He was the reason why I didn't completely snap. He was the reason why I was still able to walk out in his plan and in his purpose. He was the reason why I was able to make it to that point where I was able to get the help that I needed. He was the reason why I was able to minister and show love and compassion to other people going through different things. He was the reason why? Because he was there with me. I wasn't alone. And sometimes it feels like when you're going through difficult things and when you're hurting, that you're all alone, but you're not. What I had to learn was to turn to him and not just sit there and go, oh, I'm so alone, I'm so alone. But no, I had to learn to go, God, you're here with me. Thank you for your love. This could be so much worse. But you're right here with me. And we're getting through this. This is not going to take me out. What the devil meant for evil. It's not going to take me out. God's going to use it for good. And he's used so much of it. And I'm still alive So I'm going to have more things that I'm going to go through and it's still going to touch people and it's not going to take me out. We have to use, you have to use your faith in order for your faith to grow. You know, Minister Linda was talking in the offering about giving. You know, if you are in lack, you can just quote the scriptures all day long. You can say, you know, God shall supply all my needs. You know, uh, you know I, you, uh, uh, I have no lack. I mean, you can, you can quote all these different scriptures. But if you never put anything in the offering, <laughs> you're just quoting words. You have to act on your faith. That's how your faith grows. That's how things happen. Because you have to say, it's one thing to say, I have faith, I have faith, I have faith. I believe God, I believe God, I believe God, I believe God. But then that trial comes, "Uh uh-uh, I ain't doing that. Oh, no. It reminds me when I have to get my blood drawn. You know, the doctors, they send you to the place to get your blood drawn. I usually wait a whole year before I make it to that seat. And I go, you know, the doctor would call, um, we order this because, you know, we need to do this and that. And I'm like, okay. And then I finally go and I sit down and I am just like sweating bullets and I'm sitting, you know, I go back and I sit in the chair and usually somebody's there and I'm like, I'm a big baby. You know, this is like the most difficult thing ever. I've avoided this situation for a whole entire year. You know, I, d- I don't want you to. To put the needle in my arm, you know, whatever. And I remember the last time I had to go, you know, I'm going through all of this and I'm like quoting all these scriptures. God hasn't given me the spirit of fear, but the power, love, and sound mind. Like, I can do this. I can do all things through Christ who strengthens me. I'm not gonna lose my mind in this place. I'm not gonna get up. I'm not gonna run around. I'm going to sit down and I'm going to be an adult. You know, and I remember and I'm sitting there and I'm holding my arm and I'm holding my arm and, you know, my muscles bulging out and the lady's like, relax. I'm like, I am relaxed, you know. (laughs) Like, you're about to put a needle in my arm. What do you mean relax? You know, so I relax and I calm down and I calm down and then she's like, okay, da, 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 da. And then the needle's in my arm and I'm like, did you do it? (laughs) It's like, I'm done. What? (laughs) I'm just ready for this, like, huge thing to happen. Like my arm's going to explode or, you know, something major is going to go down because they take this little tiny thing and they put it in my arm. You know, and a couple times they have tubes. I'm like, do I have any blood left in my body? We have a tendency to turn things into something so much bigger than what they actually are. You're in traffic. Sit yourself still. Use that time to Worship not honk on the horn and beat on it. Why am I in traffic? God, what did I do to deserve this? I have somewhere to be. Why do I have to wait? Aren't I your chosen child? Shouldn't I have a fast pass? It's another thing when they give you a fast pass in Disneyland and you have to wait in line. I have a fast pass. I'm not supposed to wait. I'm a Christian. I'm not supposed to have any trouble. I have faith. It should never be challenged. (laughs) Kenneth E. Hagen says, the potential of great faith comes by hearing, but the great faith itself comes when you put what you have into practice. Faith comes by hearing, but great faith comes by putting that faith into practice. How do we hear all these stories in the Bible? You know, Jesus doing all these great, wonderful miracles, all these, you know, the disciples going and doing all these different things. Their faith is being put to the test. That's faith in action, not faith sitting at home on the couch. We need to go through with joy. James 1, verse 2 through 4, in the New Living says, Dear brothers and sisters, when troubles of any kind come your way, consider it an opportunity for great joy. For you know that when your faith is tested, your endurance has a chance to grow. So let it grow. For when your endurance is fully developed, you will be perfect and complete, needing nothing. That's how you get perfect. You go through some stuff. That's how you become mature. Oops. Smith Wigglesworth said Great victories come out of great battles. Jesus won the victory for us over the devil, but we still have battles to fight. No army ever won a victory without fighting a battle. No heavyweight champion ever became champion of the world without fighting any battles. It happens all around us. We need to get prepared for battle. Get ready. Ephesians 6 tells us to put on the full armor of God. Why? That's what we need to do to prepare for spiritual battle because we're going to have some things come against us. But there's also some things that we need to do to prepare in the natural. Use wisdom. In Nehemiah chapter 4, this is an amazing story. So they're building a wall. And their enemies are telling them, you know, they're mocking them. They're coming. They're like, why are you building this wall? You know, we're going we're gonna to kill you. We're going to attack you. While you're building this wall to defend yourselves, we're coming up against you. So you know what Nehemiah did? He's like, I got y'all. Everybody that's working on this wall, strap up. Get your swords. Put them on you. So they're working building the wall, they're carrying swords, they've got people standing guard, watch, so they're working building this wall, they have some people standing out um, guarding everything, they've got their weapons drawn, they're ready for the fight, then they have people who are building the wall, they're carrying their weapons while they're building the wall, they're prepared naturally for this battle. Their enemy is taunting them, telling them, we're coming after you. So they needed to do something. When I read this story, it just immediately reminded me of a toddler boy, really a boy in general. These, these are my nephews. Boys like guns and knives. It's like their thing as, as a boy. And so when, I'm, when I saw this, this picture came in my mind of my nephews, and what they do is like they run around in their underwear, and they have their swords... <laughs> tucked in their underwear, My, the youngest nephew, he would have nunchucks and uh, uh, he liked nin, ninja turtles. And so he had the nunchucks and the little spiky ones. And so he'd run around with his underwear and he would have these things tucked in. And as he's running around the house, he was ready. And you go, Caleb. And he'd go, what? <laughs> and he would pull this thing out and you're like, I just wanted to know if you wanted something to eat. <laughs> ready, buggy. And he was always ready for battle. He never let his underwear not be without weapons. (laughs) Fully loaded all the way around. And that's how we should be. So I'm reading this story and I'm like, this is them. They're building a wall, but they've got their weapons attached to them. They're ready to go. We need to be on ready like a toddler boy. We are ready for whatever fight that comes and I'm going to take you down. If you're offering me cheese I'm gonna take you down I have no fear I have no fear of that wrapper it's not gonna stop me I'll use my knife to cut it open that's how we should be we should be ready on ready for whatever comes against us I need to hurry up and wrap this up and I'm going super slow um, I might go over. Well, I've already gone over, but I'm going to go a little bit longer. Um, We need to, number two, was follow the Holy Spirit. Holy Spirit will lead you and guide you, and he will direct you. The interesting thing is, is that we think that when we experience trouble, that we're in the wrong place. In Mark chapter 1, Jesus was led into the wilderness by the Holy Spirit. And who showed up to tempt him? The devil. Was he in the wrong spot? No. Holy Spirit led him. We're usually... You know, a lot of people like to jump, want to jump ship because they're in a place that's a little bit uncomfortable. We think that if we face a challenge or if we face some type of difficulty, this can't be God. He couldn't have called me to this job. He couldn't have called me to this place. He couldn't have called me to talk to this group of people. They make fun of me. They persecute me. They gossip about me. They say bad things about me. Christians talk about me. This can't be where I'm supposed to be. And we're ready to jump ship, but you're right where God has asked you to be. need to think about that. So many people, because their scenarios and situations are uncomfortable. Now, I'm not talking about anything crazy. I'm not talking about if you're like in an abusive relationship or anything crazy like that. I'm just talking about maybe you're in a job and you're surrounded by difficult people, but God didn't tell you to go. Maybe you're somewhere where you have to stretch out of your comfort zone and you have to do something that God is asking you to do. Or maybe you're in a place and you have to wait. It's not time for that promotion. It's not time for you to be over here doing this, but it's time for you to stay right where you are and be diligent in where you are. And overcome and go through that trial so that God can build that character in you so that you're ready for that next step. I think about so many times as a young person how I could have stepped out of the plan of God for me because it was difficult, because it was hard. I worked four jobs going to Bible school, four jobs. My future was set if I would have followed exactly what my grandfather wanted me to do. He said, if you go to college, I'll fill your bank accounts and you never have to worry about anything. I did that for two years and was completely out of the will of God. It was horrible. I could tell you story after story. And when I finally submitted to the will of God and I said, I'm going to Bible school. And he said, I'm not gonna pay for that. And I was like, it's okay. I'm going to follow what God is telling me to do. And I worked four jobs. And at one point after I graduated, you know, everybody, we all graduated. When you graduate Bible school, it's where are you going? What are you doing in ministry? Where are you going off to? What city are you going to? What position are you getting? You know, everybody's doing all that. And I'm like, hmm, I'm just going to serve here in the church because I don't have an assignment yet. Boring. Boring. You're going overseas. Oh, you're doing this. Oh, y'all got married and you're starting a church. I'm serving in children's ministry. I'm changing diapers. Eventually my time will come. And I could have walked away because it wasn't the most glamorous spot to be in. And then as time went on, you know, I... um, uh, my grandfather was like, oh, okay, you know, he saw and he's like, oh, this is great, wonderful, you know, God did a work in him. And after I graduated school, you know, we had this relationship again. Then he, he passed away. I was on my own again. I was like, okay, we can do this. But this time, I had learned some things. I had learned to trust in God. I had learned that when I didn't have anything to eat, I'm going to take myself to church and I'm going to take this dollar and I'm going to put it in the offering. And by the time I walk out of this church, God, you're going to do something. I don't know where this tuition is going to come from. I don't know where I'm getting a car from. Like I didn't. There was a season where I didn't have a car. You try living in a small town without a car. They don't have public transportation. You're, you do some serious walking. That was hard for this spoiled child, who had never been on public transportation her whole life. I'm supposed to walk. I was happy to walk because I was in the will of God. And then when I finally got a car. It was a cute little Mazda RX-7, two-seater. I moved up in the world, except it blew exhaust into the car, and so it blew heat in the car. So in the summer of Oklahoma, when it's 100 and whatever, and 150% humidity, I'm driving my car sweating like a dog, and I was so happy as it's blowing heat on me. I could have said, forget it, God. I'm not going into ministry. I'm not doing that. But I stayed in my place. And I went from children's ministry, volunteering, which I ended up being there the whole time, being on staff at Rama, traveling some with the Crusade team, making it back here to Vegas, to be on staff as a children's minister, And so on and so on. Why? And I couldn't have done what I do today if I didn't stay in the hard place.